Welcome to the Pen and the Yod. Rabbi Michael Siegel of Anche Emmet Synagogue in Chicago talks with author Jonathan Eig about this week's Torah portion of Tazria Mitzorah, a pandemic and the debate between rugged individualism and communal responsibility. Well, we're now well into a year since the pandemic came to America. I'm wondering, do you remember when you started taking this pandemic seriously, where, where it wasn't just something that was happening in China or somewhere else, but it was really kind of this creeping concern that it's now an American problem? Yeah, I do remember it uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, obviously, it's uh, been a momentous change in all of our lives. You know, I remember being teased by my family because I said, this thing's coming and I'm ordering some hand sanitizer, like a big box of it. And I'm ordering some flu medicine and I'm ordering a bunch of toilet paper. And I got a little paranoid before before my family thought there was reason to be. And I, I had a trip, an important you know, reporting trip coming up to New York where I was going to interview somebody who was quite elderly. And uh, I um, was up to the last minute trying to decide whether I should go or not and pulled the plug uh, just about a year ago. It was early March. So it feels like a lot has happened in that time. It's The world has certainly changed a lot in that one year. I have kind of similar thoughts. Yeah, there was a, there was used to be a show called The Twilight Zone. And one of the most famous episodes was when people were building bomb shelters because of the red menace and, and all the Cold War stuff going on and the nuclear fears and how everyone made fun of the family when the bombs came. The other families that had been making fun of this family snuck into the bomb shelter and unlocked the family that built it out. So it's yes. this like chilling thing of people making fun of and suddenly realizing, oops, you know, maybe they were right after all. I, I remember the uh, whole debate about the Purim Carnival, which was in March. Should we have it? Shouldn't we have it? What should we do? I flew to the APAC conference in Washington with about, I don't know, 15,000 people just as the pandemic was starting. And then we held the Purim Carnival that weekend. And hundreds of people kind of came through the synagogue, you know, in close quarters. And certainly no one was wearing a mask at that time. And I look back and I think, what was I thinking? Right. I, I would never do this now, but we've gone to COVID-19 university, haven't we? So we think about it. We see the world differently, mass, etc. But in that moment, the consciousness really hadn't struck me. And just the other day, we were um, observing a yard site, the yearly anniversary of the death of, of a woman who had lived to 109 years old. She was, she was really devoted to the synagogue, wonderful person. But it was the last event that we held in the synagogue was her funeral. And it's been closed ever since. And even that day, I was wondering if that was a good idea. So this kind of creeping sense of how we respond to a pandemic is, um, is very real. And it's actually part of the toll reading for this week. We're starting a double portion this week, Tazria Mitzorah, and it's going to focus on what was the COVID-19 of the biblical period. It was a disease that we, that somewhat mysterious was called Sarat. It was a skin disease that was very, very contagious, but it didn't just affect people's bodies. 
for whatever reason, the Bible believes that it also affects their homes as well. It's kind of a mysterious illness. But what's of interest is how does the Torah handle it? And that, I think, is an interesting issue because the Torah is treating this illness as if it has the responsibility, here I'm speaking on God's behalf, and the priesthood who's acting as God's surrogates to kind of treat this military style. The priest goes to the house of the person who is suspected of having the illness. If he diagnoses it, the person is quarantined. There's no kind of debate. There's no sense of individualism here, but it is the kind of sense that we are acting on behalf of the public good. And at the same time, the person who is suffering from this illness is paid a visit by God's representative as if to say, let's not see this person as his or her illness. Let's see them as a human being. And so all of it's put in place. Talk about the fear of big government. This is how the Torah did it. And evidently it was effective. Wow, there's there's so much to uh, think about there. You know, on the one hand, what strikes me is that there's this very helpful reminder of how linked we are how we are truly a part of a community when when an illness can travel from one city in China and touch the entire world it's more than a powerful reminder it's it's you know hard proof of how connected we all are and the the opposite side of that is that what you suggested that you know in some cases the authoritarian governments have done better in controlling this and preventing the damage from spreading. Uh, it feels like there are conflicting messages there at work, and maybe that's a sign of just how complicated the, the world we live in can be. Well, I think that that can be a convenient argument. You know, well, we're not a totalitarian regime. Do you want everything that comes along with it? I'd rather have kind of American individuals and people make their own choices, etc. But I, I don't think it's quite as cut and dry as all that, because if you look at a country like South Korea, or Taiwan, they had a remarkable response to this, uh, to the pandemic, where the entire society responded and their death rates are minuscule compared to what we've been dealing with here in America, where now it's well over a half a million deaths. So there is also beyond the kind of rugged individualism that Americans so love to embrace, there's also a sense of what is in the best interest of the community? What is the public good here? And I don't know if we have that sense anymore in America. That is so much a part of the Torah's obligation that I have to see the individual around me or in countries that speak to your responsibility to the larger community. No, I think it's a great point, and it's you know something that we um, we struggle with in America because we celebrate all of the occasions when we have come together as a country to fight for the common good, to fight for world peace. You know, entering two world wars um, that were not on our own land, and yet we have this wild individualistic streak that sometimes seems to prevent us from coming together. And this is a really good example. Um, think how long it's been, how long it took before people really came around to wearing masks because people got their, got their backs up about it as if it were, they were proving something by not wearing a mask. They were proving that they were free somehow. And, and it's where you get this, this awful push and pull between our best instincts. I think Americans do think in terms of rights. We have a bill of rights. I have a right to free speech. 
right? I have right to free expression. I have a right to take a vaccine. I have a right to reject the vaccine. I have a right to wear a mask. I have a right not to wear a mask. And this is a kind of a purely American way of looking at the universe, whereas people in the Far East, whether in China or Japan, regularly wear masks. In other words, it's not unusual in their society to see people walking down the street with PPE equipment, what we would call PPE equipment. I don't know about you, but when I would see pre-pandemic, when I would see someone wearing a surgical mask on a uh, bus or walking down the street, I thought, God, that's the strangest thing. Why would you do that? And what I didn't understand at that time is that they weren't trying to protect themselves from you. But people begin, people in those other cultures wear masks when they're not feeling well. Their consciousness is all about the larger good, the larger society, and how I can protect you from myself because I have a concern for you. And here in America, my concern is mostly about me, my rights, what I'm comfortable with, etc., which we all know has become a highly politicized issue. I'm glad to see the country is sort of beyond this in a way where most people, at least in Chicago that I see on the street, are wearing masks, the vast majority, but it's been a long process to get there. But it does say a lot about our own society. Oh, it, it really does. And there was a story in the paper just the other day about how um, a, an astonishing number of members of the military are saying that they will not choose to be vaccinated. And I was really struck by that because these are folks who have signed up to defend our country, to risk their lives, to go into battle, because even when ordered to a place that they might not know about, care about, or feel like defending because their government tells them that it's important and they're making tremendous sacrifices and showing great loyalty to the common good, they're devoting their lives to that concept, and yet they are reluctant to be vaccinated for the common good. I feel like there's this incredible tension, and I think it is you know, more of an American thing than you see in other countries. I couldn't agree more. And I think the real challenge is that COVID-19, as terrifying as it is, has also been very clarifying in its own way. It has exposed a lot of fissures within America, whether it's in the healthcare system, whether it's in our own understanding of my of community responsibilities versus individual rights. And it's also really challenged us to think about what is this American experiment all about? What's the goal here? And I don't think we've really answered these questions, but what I can tell you is that throughout history, when there has been a plague, right? The bubonic plague, when it finally lifted, marked the end of feudalism. It was the beginning of the uh, Reformation and the first rays of the Enlightenment, kind of the whole Renaissance issues that were starting to develop at that time, as if to say we had hit bottom or we went through a clarifying experience where revolutionary change can come. And I wonder where we're going to go as a society post-COVID, because I think that we have a lot of things to think about. And if we don't think about them, I think it'll be to our detriment. Yeah, I think that there's no question about that, that there could be some good things that come from this. I also feel like we missed an opportunity because sometimes, you know, we come together in a crisis and to this point, it feels like we haven't done that adequately, but maybe we're still too deep into it to really see that. <sighs> you are a master of hope, aren't you? 
love that about you. <laughs> I Thanks, try. Jonathan. This is a right. good conversation. <laughs>